0: Hello, and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We pray that as you listen to this message, it helps you grow closer to God and inspires you to live like Jesus. Thanks for listening. Here's the message. How's everybody doing? Who invited this worship guy up here to speak? I have no no idea. This is out of my element, but I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. Who's been loving this worship series so far? It's been so powerful. Um, who, who in the room was here last week? Raise hands. Man, wasn't the spirit of the Lord just, it was just rich in this place. You know, Steve talked a little bit about it um, to start off, but I, the reason why we gather here, the reason why we're here is to be in his presence. Like, without his presence, we have absolutely nothing. Like, we can't create an experience here that's gonna sustain you and push you to be at the feet of Jesus. His presence does that. So when we come, we come to be in his presence, to give him glory, to give him honor, and he takes care of the rest. And so that's why I love these these worship series. I mean, we've done them before, and and Pastor Chad and I, we were talking about... um, We just kind of sat down. We're talking about, hey, we want to do a worship series in the summer, and what are some things that we want to talk about? Because a lot of times with worship series, we talk about the what, we talk about the who, the why. You know, why we worship, why, how we worship, and where we worship. All of these things, these practical ideas. But we wanted to do something different that we haven't done before here. And to be honest, it was an idea that I presented to Chad because I had just learned it two years ago, um, and. I guarantee you that probably 90% of you in the room probably have not been taught this subject today. But what we're going to talk about are these postures of praise. There are seven Hebrew words for the word praise. And I grew up in the church. Uh, I, I'm a pastor's kid. I'm a lineage of pastors in my family a great grandpa, grandpa. My dad's a pastor. Uh, and I was never taught these seven words. I I may have heard them here and there, but I was never taught them. And so I'm really excited to be able to dive into them because it gives us some context on why we do the things we do here, corporately as a church, why we do things, uh, worship on the stage, why we raise our hands, why we lift a shout, why we sing a new song, but also why why we worship individually in our homes, why that's almost more important than what we do here. And so I get to share that with you. I get to tie in a little bit of the, the things that we do on stage and, and, and what we do. So before I go into that, though, I, w- I want to start with a, a passage of Scripture that's been on my heart um, recently. If you, if you have your Bibles, if you want to open up to Psalm 24-7, or it'll be on the screen behind me here. Does anybody remember being in a church where, like, you'd say that and the pages would just start? I grew up in that kind of church. Like the pages would just start turning, and there's something like therapeutic about it. I kind of miss. It. I kind of miss that sometimes. <laughs> Here we are. Um, so Psalm twenty-four seven. It's an interesting passage. It says, "Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in." And what's interesting about this is, oftentimes we don't associate gates having heads. It says, lift up your heads, O gates. So I I wanna focus, I wanna do a little word study on this word gates. Okay, sometimes we do this in scripture. We find a word and we we find it throughout the Bible and then we kind of like draw meaning from it. Sometimes it gets a little weird, but I, I think in this case, it's really gonna fit into what we're gonna talk about today. So we're gonna, in Isaiah 60, I see that gates were praise. Okay. But in the book of Revelation, the gates were made of pearls, okay? How were pearls formed? Pearls are formed through irritation, okay? So the gates of praise are formed within us when we go against circumstances and when we choose to worship to glorify Jesus anyways. Something is, begins to form in us. So here's this unusual picture. Lift up your heads. So the lifting of our heads has everything to do with our countenance, our posture, our behavior towards the Lord, our, our posture, okay? Psalms 3.3 3 says, the Lord is my glory and the lifter of my head, okay? The lifting of the head is not some psychological advantage that I gain, okay? The lifting of the head changes what I see, okay? When I lift my head, it changes what I'm viewing, what I'm seeing, and when I, when I fix my eyes on heavenly things and everything that the Lord is doing in my life, my posture begins to change. So let's go back to this passage. It says, lift up your heads, O you gates, and the King of glory will come in. When we look at the subject of gates in Psalms, Uh, It says the gates of Zion are his eternal dwelling place. Which is kind of interesting because it's saying he lives in a gate. Which makes zero sense unless you view gates as praise and that he inhabits the praises of his people, right? So here's the connection. It means that when I lift my posture before the Lord, when I lift my countenance and my posture before the Lord... Before I get the answer I need, we're not lifting it to get breakthrough, okay? We're just lifting it to, before the fact, before the breakthrough. We're lifting up our posture and our praise to him and regardless of circumstances, which is that irritation that we talked about, circumstances that were going on in life, regardless of that, I lift my praise and my countenance and, and all that I am to the Lord, okay? And he comes in as the king of glory, He comes through that gate. So what is the king of glory? Because God comes in a lot of ways, right? He comes as the merciful God. He comes as a loving father. He comes as the one who's gonna heal the brokenhearted. But in this case, he's coming as the king of glory. And the king of glory doesn't come in to heal your broken toe, okay? He comes in as a God of war and a God of victory, and he only comes in when there's victory is established in that hand. So when we're lifting up our praise and our accounts before the Lord, and we're using our circumstances as fuel for our praise, right? So we're using that circumstance as fuel, and we're lifting it up. God, you're good. And that is the very gate that the Lord comes through. That's the gate that he comes through as the king of glory to fight Battles. Come on, let's pray. Let's pray this morning. Father, would you begin to posture ourselves before you? Give us a heart for worship. Give us a desire to not just worship you corporately, but individually in our homes and our lives as a lifestyle of praise, Jesus. Teach us, Lord. Give us a hunger for the purity, for the heart of worship again. Bring us to your feet. Speak to us, Lord, your name. Amen. Amen. All right, so everybody doing good so far? We're doing good? Does that make sense? So when um, when we talk about worship, there's three parts to our worship, okay? Number one, we worship him because he is worthy. First and foremost, God is worthy. We worship him because he's worthy. It's an expression that we give him out of a heart of worship. That heart posture of worship. Number two, the part of worship that we stop, we listen, and we hear from God. In that solitude place, we're we're listening to the Holy Spirit. We're listening to what God's saying. And then that third part, really important. We go out and we do what we get from the Lord in that moment. We have to go out and we have to do what he's imploring us to do. Okay? Okay. David in Scripture did all of these things really well. And I know when we do worship series, David is always talked about. He's kind of that glorified example of what worship should look like. But honestly, the reason why David is talked about is because he exposed every part of his life to God. Not just a little bit, a little bit of it. He exposed everything. And David went through a lot of ups and downs, as we see in Scripture, from hiding in a cave from the enemies, from... Uh, having all the favor and the power and the money in the world, and yet he still remained broken before the Lord and he turned it all back into worship. That's why God labeled him a man after his own heart. I mean, he did some really bad things, worse than most of us will ever do. I mean, he committed adultery, he killed that dude. I mean, hello, that happened. But he still came back to the Lord in worship. And he worshiped God in different ways. There was by the brook David where he's in solitude. He's by the water. He's under the tree. He's playing his instrument and he's just praising the Lord. Then there's also the David that's dancing in the street all over the place with his clothes off. I mean, praising God with no shame, okay? We see those sides of David. So it's a great invitation to us that these are all ways that we can worship the Lord. I don't recommend dancing with your clothes off. So uh, if that's from God, I I, I, <laughs> I, don't know if that's, I mean, you're gonna have to really prove me on that one. But, um, but you see what I'm saying. He, he gives us a great um, invitation of how we worship the Lord, especially in a time with David. It's not like people didn't worship, but there was rules and guidelines and strict ways that we could, only worship God and there's so many other gods that people worship but somehow David tapped into the heart somehow he tapped into the heart no one else was worshiping like David did and so um, it's just really important that's that's something to to look at so when we come in this setting in a corporate setting um, Bill Johnson says this he says I'm a beggar before God and a king before the people So like oftentimes we come into this place selfish a little bit because we haven't been spending time with the Lord in the week. So we're bringing all of our problems here and we come a little selfish when we worship. We come and it almost doesn't turn into worship. It just turns into us throwing up our problems and trying to find comfort in people rather than finding comfort in God first giving him, all, casting all of our cares to him and then coming here as a strength to the people around you. I know that's abrupt. I know that sounds harsh. But the reality is, is that if we would spend more time every day being broken before the Lord, because God can handle our problems. We, we give them to him. We, we offer up our sacrifice to him in worship throughout the week. That when we find our solace and our comfort and our identity and everything in God first. Then we come corporately as a strength to the people. Does that make sense? It's really important that, that that's how those tie in really well. Both are super important um, in worship, and how we worship. So, we're going to go into this these postures of praise here, and and these I wanted to set that up because these postures of praise are more actions. They're like action verbs on physically how we use our bodies and our voices and the way we play our instruments to worship the Lord, um, but that kind of gives us some context as a lifestyle, right? We want this to be a lifestyle of praise and worship every day, um, and this is the overflow of that, okay? So... There's seven Hebrew words for praise. I'm only gonna do three today. Uh, I, I believe Pastor Chad's gonna hit on the rest next week. So we're gonna, we're gonna just do three. I'm not gonna talk about all seven. Um, but to, to preface this, these are action verbs of praise that are supposed to come from a heart of worship, okay? Otherwise, they're just actions. They're just noise. They don't mean anything, okay? So this has, these have to overflow out of that heart of worship, okay? First word that we're going to hit on today. Are we ready? The first word is going to be halal. And honestly, guys, if you guys say these words differently than I do, go for it because there's probably different ways to say it. I might butcher them. That's okay. These ones aren't too bad, but halal. This is a primary root word for praise. Our word hallelujah comes from this base word, it means to be clear to shine, to boast, celebrate, be clamorously foolish. You like that word, clamorously foolish. All right, so we sang about it today. Raise the hallelujah, right? Saying it 18 times in a row, right? <laughs> Why do we do that? We're gonna talk about it. Okay, let's go to these, let's go to these verses here. There's, here's a couple verses that kind of hit <clears throat> on each of these words. Psalms 113, one through two, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit through the, transi- uh, the uh, oh, goodness, the Passion Translation. I'm going to use this a lot because it's more poetic. It's got a lot of, like, worship words in it, and it kind of, it brings them out a little more. So Psalms 113, 1 through 2, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Go ahead, praise the Lord, all you loving servants of God. Keep it up, praise him some more, for the glorious name of the Lord is blessed forever and ever. Psalms 150, one through six. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Praise God in his holy sanctuary. Praise him in his stronghold in the sky. Praise him for his mighty miracles. Praise him for his magnificent greatness. Praise him with trumpets and blasting. Praise him with piano and guitar. Praise him with drums and dancing. Praise him with loud clashing of cymbals. Praise him upon the high sounding cymbals. Let everyone everywhere join in the crescendo and ecstatic praise to Yahweh. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Psalm 149.3, break forth with dancing. Make music and sing God's praises with the rhythm of the drums. Come on, it's awesome. So when we kind of, <laughs> there's certain things that we say on stage as worship leaders. We do this a lot here. We say, lift up a shout of praise. Everybody hear me say that? I say that almost every week, I feel like. Um, lifting up a shout of praise, like, what does that mean? We're always like, ah. <laughs> yeah. Like, what's that mean? Okay, that's this form of praise. When we're lifting up a shout, we actually probably don't know what it means. But Scripture and the Lord implores us to do it anyways. Okay, why do you cheer at a sporting event? Honestly, you guys go stinking crazy at a Chiefs game, okay? You lose your mind, okay? Some of you who thought you couldn't yell as loud as you possibly could do at a Chiefs game. But for some reason, when we lift a shout to the God who created us and gave you the opportunity to watch football, uh, we can't do it. We can't do it. It's this weird tension, okay? But I think it's because we don't understand and we don't live it. Some of you live football. Some of you know everything about sports. I love sports. I love sports. I don't love the Chiefs. I'm sorry. But some of you know all of the preseason stuff. You know who's the ins and outs, who's the new rookies, who's the draft picks, who's the, who's the trays they've done. Tyreek Hill is gone. Now someone else is in. You know what I'm saying? Like all of this stuff. And you, you're passionate about it. But we don't spend time with the Lord in the week. And we don't understand what lifting a shout to God is, how important it is, what it does. And we're going to talk about that today, what it actually does in the atmospheres. God is seeking pure-hearted worshipers that are posturing themselves for an outpouring of his spirit. That's what he's doing in the world right now. I truly believe it. There's a lot of distractions, but he's looking for people who want to be at his feet that wanna be at his feet, and they wanna hear what the Lord is doing. I, we live in a culture right now where worship is, the, it, it's awesome right now. There's a lot of music coming out. We have a lot of access. There's a lot of songwriters and people releasing great songs, okay? It's, there's never been a time like this in the world. If you know anything about church history, church worship, uh, it's not been this good, this creative, and this often but I think what happens is it begins to get a little cloudy. Here's what happens is we have a lot of, it's turned into this genre for one. And two, there's a lot of songwriters and bands and people that are being elevated to this place of popularity like we've never seen before. And we're creating these like pop stars. We're creating these songwriters to just release songs and go on tour The danger in that is, is we're losing the cost of worship. There's a cost to worship. And that's the sign that I see even in our Sunday gatherings. What's the cost for you to worship? Because if you know anything about church history, there was a major cost to even have what you have now. If you were to raise your hand, lift up a shout, you were ridiculed. You were yelled at. You were sat down. Drums were not a thing. It was of the devil, okay? The drummers of this world, man, they were kicked out. They were booted out. There was a cost to worship the way that we do now. Most of those people didn't make it, man. They didn't make it through because it was so bad. It was brutal. And a story in scripture that we see, we, we, we see this story a lot. Mary washing the feet of Jesus beautiful story right she gave everything to god to be at his feet everything poured out oil years worth of wages of oil onto jesus to be at his feet and we just kind of gloss over that like that's awesome she gave everything to the lord to be at jesus no it was not awesome in the moment everybody in that room despised her they looked at her like what the heck are you doing like it was embarrassing it was a complete embarrassment, like her identity, everything was just thrown out. And we just kind of gloss over that because there's no cost to worship. There has to be a cost again. Whatever that looks like in your life, there has to be a cost. And it's going to look different for everybody. But what's, what's the cost that you're bringing in your worship to the Lord. Revelation 19:6 through7. Then I heard what seemed to be the thunderous voice of a great multitude, like the sound of a massive waterfall, and mighty peals of thunder, crying out, "Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt him and give him glory, because the wedding celebration of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. Now is the time, church, to posture ourselves at the feet of Jesus because we want our house and our lives to be in order on the day of his visitation because time is short and the deed is great and we don't have time to play church. We don't have time to mess around. We have to be at the feet of Jesus because he's gonna come And he's going to be looking for the worshipers that are willing to receive his glory. And if you're not postured at the feet of Jesus, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. And you're going to have some good times of worship. And you're going to experience the Lord. But you're going to miss his glory. Because you're not postured before him in a lifestyle of worship. I'm not just talking physically. I'm talking your life. Are you you understanding that? This isn't just those who can sing and play an instrument and sing aloud. This is like, this is your life. This is what you were created to do, to be at the feet of the Father. All right, let's move on to word number two. It is zamar. This is one of my favorites. This is to pluck the strings of an instrument, to sing, to praise a musical word which is largely involved with joyful expressions of music and musical instruments. This is awesome. This is those moments in worship. We had it today a little bit where the music just plays over the room, okay? And there's a breath of the spirit on an instrument that just creates this atmosphere of worship and God begins to move. And there's some crazy things that have happened when this happens. David playing over Saul, demons flee from Saul, just by the sound of an instrument. So oftentimes in worship, when we have this setting in here, like today, we had a lot of space in the songs. How many of you just get confused in that moment? Okay, they're like, maybe the band doesn't understand where they're going, like, the, <laughs> something's going on in their ears, like, they're just sitting there. No, th- today, like today, it's intentional. It's intentional. Okay, it's intentional what we do because we craft this set in worship. You know, as worship leaders, we craft this set and it's intentional the songs we sing. We're not just singing the top favorite songs that everybody loves, okay? We're, we're intentional about where we wanna take, where God wants to take the room in the morning, okay? There's, a, there's an end goal. And then we, we craft these songs and there's certain parts in the set where we want to let the spirit move, and so I asked the band, let's just, pl- we just need to sit and we need to wait, okay? It's like fishing. You're just sitting and you're fishing for what the Holy Spirit's doing in the room. And you start getting these signals of, okay, the Lord wants to do this, the Lord wants to do this. Sometimes God just wants us to sit and listen. Sometimes God wants us to sit, sing out a new song, okay? We're going to talk about that too here in a moment. But sometimes it's, it's singing out and joining with that. But some, a lot of times it's just the instruments playing, And in that moment, it's a time for you to connect to the Lord and be to the feet of Jesus. Close your eyes. Just experience him. Just worship him. Begin begin to tell him how good he is. He's the reason you're here. Just like what we sang about this morning. You're the reason we're here. To be at the feet of Jesus to be in your presence. That's the only thing that matters. It doesn't matter what direction the the worship team's going and if Adam Brown plays the wrong note on the electric guitar. Or Jordan, when he was on drums one Sunday, went into a drum solo randomly. Everybody remember that? I love it. Sorry, Jordan, if you're watching. I love it. Like, who cares? It's okay. We're worshiping the Lord, we're going with it. There's obviously a plan and there's obviously a direction But we want to just be patient. We want to hear the Lord. All right, let's go into some scriptures here with this. I'm actually going to just do uh, Psalms 57, 8 through 9. Awake, O my soul, with the music of his splendor song. Arise, my soul, and sing his praises. My worship will awaken the dawn. Greeting the daybreak with my songs of praise. Wherever I go, I will thank you, my God, among all the nations. They will hear my praises and songs to you. Worship music is—it changes atmospheres. It's the reason why I actually do this. I love that music can change the atmosphere when it has the breath of the Spirit on it. Um, I I listen to a lot of music, but there's just times in the week that I gotta just turn on worship music, and uh, you know, if I'm going through a hard time or circumstance or. I'm feeling anxiety. I just, I just turn on worship music and I sit in it for a moment. You know, if I go for a run, I, I turn on worship music and I just, I just sit in his presence and let him change the atmosphere of the room. You let it change the atmosphere of the room with your kids, with your family. And I'm not saying you gotta listen to it 24-7 and just have it on all the time. I just think it's a tool for us to be able to use, to follow that and to... Uh, always be in a posture of praise. So we had a time where my kids, um, they've always had really bad um, dreams. They go through seasons of just having nightmares and really intense dreams. And they still do a little bit, but um, I remember specifically Beckham, when he was... um, when he was like two or three, I think he was three, uh, he just went through this series of having nightmares every night for a week straight. The only thing I could think of to do was every night before they went to bed, I would take my little guitar in and I would just sing worship over him. The only thing I knew how to do and pray for him, but that was the only thing that would settle them down to go to bed because he was scared. He was scared to go to bed after a while because he just had nightmares. And I remember one night, after doing this several nights, it was 3 a.m. in the morning. Anybody wake up at 3 a.m.? Like, there's something about around 3 a.m. that you have crazy dreams and you wake up. Anytime that happens to me now, I write down dreams. Jen, my wife Jen, is the one who has pushed me to do that. Um, she's like, write down your dreams, no matter how crazy they are, and you just pray over them the next morning. And you'd be amazed at what God starts speaking to you through dreams. Um, but 3 a.m., he wakes up. And I'm in, I'm in our room, and we have a little, one of the little monitors. And he just, straight up in the air, screaming. I mean, blood curl scree- screaming. And <laughs> Jen laughs because when I wake up, when something like that happens, it's like covers off. I'm like straight up in the air, panic attack, sprinting to the room. Because I'm in a deep sleep. I'm a deep sleeper. And when something like that happens, I freak out. Like, <laughs> Blood curling, screaming, I'm I'm running in there. So I run in there, and Beckham is just sitting straight up and he's staring at the wall and he's shaking. He's just shaking. And I, I remember sitting there, he he he's shaking and he's staring at the wall. And I come into the room and he's sleeping on a bunk bed because he wanted a bunk bed, even though he was the only child at the time. He wanted to sleep on top. So we got him a bunk bed. And he, he's sitting on the top bunk. So I'm like climbing up there and I put my hand on his shoulder. And I said, "Beckham," I just call him by name and he ripped it away and he screamed and he just curled up into a ball, put the covers over his head and he was just shaking. And immediately I felt cold. I felt a spirit like I've never felt in my life. The enemy had a hold of my son and I was, I was literally scared. I started shaking. And I sat there for a moment, and the only thing I could think of was to pick up that guitar and to go sit up there. Because anytime I'd touch him or anytime I'd do anything, he would literally just scream, rip away. It was like something had taken over his body. I couldn't get him to look at me. And I started playing and I just, I played every worship song I knew. I sang every song I knew. I just, I kept playing and playing and just praying that something would break. And I'm, I'm telling you, I played for two hours, guys. I played for two hours in his room. My fingers were bleeding at that point. I was singing in tongues. I was, I was praying. I was reading scripture. I mean, I was doing everything I could. And after a couple hours of playing, I remember him just sitting up again, just like he did, really slow. And I remember almost like in slow motion. He's just sitting up and he pulls his covers over and he goes, Dad, Dad, I just want to come home. And he jumped into my arms and I just, I just held him. The power of worship, even though I didn't even understand what that was doing. I mean, I, I could have gone for four hours and I'm like, this isn't working. The power of what music, what worship does, we don't even know. We don't even know what's happening. But when, like we said in the beginning, when we begin to open that gate of praise and posture before the Lord, he begins to come in as a God of war and he begins to fight your battles. He begins to fight the spiritual battles that you don't see and he does it on your behalf, and you don't even have to do anything. You just have to sing, and you gotta praise him, and he fights those battles for you. So there's a lot of stories like that. They're really cool. Uh, that's why I love that Zamar praise. So that's what we're doing when we when we praise in that way with musical instruments. So now we're gonna go into how we partner that praise with another Hebrew word, which is tehillah. This is the last word that we're gonna hit on this morning. This is probably the most... Popular word um, of the Hebrew words that are used. It's derived from the word halal and means the singing of halals, to sing or to laud, perceived to involve music, especially singing hymns of the Spirit or praise, the praise that God inhabits. Okay, I want you to specifically look at hymns of the Spirit. Okay, there are three different types of songs that we sing to the Lord, okay? There's psalms, there's hymns, and there's spiritual songs, okay? Paul talks about that in Ephesians, okay? Psalms are scripture songs, okay? You're singing songs, scripture. Hymns are songs that we write. They're songs that we write. They don't have to be an ancient hymn to be categorized as a hymn. They're just songs that we write, spiritual songs are the spontaneous song. That's the song of the spirit. Okay, these are the songs that are not produced. They're not sung to be on a record. You don't send them off. They don't even have to carry a tune. You don't even have to have a good voice. Okay, that's what these songs are. And so when we're partnering with the zamar praise, you have the music playing with the breath of the Spirit on it, and the Spirit's moving, and then when we say in church to release a new song, Steve invited us to do that today. When we release a new song, that's a song from your Spirit. That's your own personal song, okay? It's, it's a song that not everyone hears, but they're songs that we sing every day. And that's, what we're going to talk about how we invite this into a lifestyle, okay? So imagine that you are driving down the road, and you've just come back from an awful doctor's report, something that just immediately hit you with fear and anxiety, like you don't know what to do with it, or you're coming home from a job, and there's layoffs happening at your job, and you're afraid you're going to lose your job, or finances are tight, whatever it may be, you're driving home from it, and in. And what we start doing is we begin to lift up a song with the words from that report or from the words that we're fearful of, and we turn them to worship. I know that sounds crazy. You say, I don't sing. I know you sing. You just don't sing in public. I'm saying, God's giving you a voice, and this is, you don't have to do this, but he's inviting you. You have to sing it. Okay, there's difference between praying it and singing it. I believe it. I believe there is. And he's asking you to sing a new song, okay? So we lift up our song with the words of that bad report and we begin to turn it around into praise because you're not begging the Lord for something. He already has victory over that situation, okay? There's already victory over it. It's already happened, okay? We're just partnering and we're, we're accepting what's already been deposited into our account. Okay, so we're praising through it. We use praise as that breakthrough. But we're not, we're not lifting up a song to receive anything. We're just lifting up a song honoring him and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for uh, my good health. Thank you for my restoration. You know, thank, all this stuff. We just lift it up before the Lord. And then he begins to come in as that God of war and he begins to fight all those battles. All the battles that you're fearing over, he begins to fight on your behalf. Does that make sense? It sounds crazy, it sounds different, and I know some of you are like, I don't sing. I don't, I don't lift up a song. Have you tried it? I guarantee you haven't tried it. I think it's really important, and God asked us to do it. So I'm gonna land here on Isaiah 42. This is one of my favorite passages of scripture, and this has kind of set us up here for this last point. Sing to the Lord a new song is praise from the ends of the earth. You who go down to the sea and all that is in it, you islands and all who live in them, let the wilderness and its towns raise their voices. Let the settlements where Kedar lives rejoice. Let the people of Selah sing for joy. Let them shout from the mountaintops. Let them give glory to the Lord and proclaim his praise in the islands. The Lord will march out like a champion, like a warrior. He will stir up his zeal with a shout. He will raise the battle cry and will triumph over his enemies. Now here's this incredible moment here where he's imploring us to sing a new song. He's he's imploring us to sing a new song so that he can stir himself up as a man of war. That's what we're talking about. And he does X points on our behalf, okay? We don't give God glory because of that, because of the warfare, we don't just sing and praise because of the warfare side of it. That, that's, that gets dangerous. We praise him because we give God honor, because of his worth, because of who he is. That's why we praise him. That's why we give him this praise, because of who he is first. So let's go back to this, new, this idea of the new song. I love the songs that we sing but like I said, this is the spontaneous song. This is from the heart. So, imagine. How many of you know that God and the devil are not actually in a war? Okay, the devil doesn't stand a chance the God, like he's already been victorious, right? He could snap his finger and the devil could be a Krispy Kreme donut if he wanted, you know, like poof. He doesn't stand a chance, but he's trying, the enemy is trying to stir things up all the time. He's trying to make us doubt. He's trying to make us question. And so when we sing out these new songs of praise, we believe that he has victory. And we believe that he comes as that, as that warrior to fight our battles. In Psalm 42, before that, this is about some context with that, is that Israel, again, had found themselves in, in a horrible situation. They're worshiping God one day, worshiping another God the other, and they, they just get in this bad habit, this bad cycle. And it came to a point where they were just begging the Lord for a new day. Anybody looking for a new day? Like they're just saying, I'm ready for a new day, Lord. Please give us something new. You know what God said? He said, okay. The old is gone. The new has come. Sing out a new song. That's all he said. The old has come. The old is gone. The new has come. Sing out a new song. He doesn't tell them what the new day is. He tells them to sing a song first because the song brings a new day. The new song brings a new day. So here's Israel walking through hell and the Lord says, okay, sing out a new song. And they're like, what? Like, that's it? But the new song brings the new day. Once they rejoice and they sing a new song in the Lord, God brings the new day. So he's asking us to partner with this spontaneous song to sing out, even though we may not understand it, even though that through that obedience, he stirs himself up as a king of glory and he begins to fight and he begins to stir up those demonic powers that are swirling around us. He begins to just break them down and fight our battles on our behalf. And he brings the new day through it, through this new song. I'm gonna invite the worship team up. They're gonna come up and start to play a little bit behind me. Um, I invited Erin to come and play violin with us this morning. She has just got a beautiful gift um, to play violin. And there's something about the strings for me. It like stirs up something deep in your soul that, you didn't know was there. It's just something about it, the tone, the, the textures of it. It just begins to stir up something inside of you and, and stir up that new song inside of you. And so I just love that. So I, I invited her to come and, and we're, gonna, we're gonna practice this a little bit. We're gonna practice these, these words of praise because I think it's really important for us to step into this. Um, imagine a church that's committed to posturing themselves in worship like this as a lifestyle, okay? That are actually releasing new songs. Like imagine like hundreds of us across the city that were actually lifting up new songs, declaring like, you know, they're declaring, God, we thank you that you're bringing favor and prosperity over this city, that families are being restored, that children are finding their true identity, that no longer there's a place for suicide or addiction. No longer is there a place for sickness or cancer. Like, these are the songs that are being released. Like, thank you, Lord. This is what this city stands on. It stands on the Lord. It stands on people being centered and focused before the Lord. And as these songs are being lifted in the air, God's fighting all those battles, okay? He's beginning to break down walls. He's beginning to do that. And eyes are beginning to open, just like Beckham, when he sat up in his bed and he opened his eyes and there was no more glossiness over his eyes. It was just clear as day. And he says, dad, I wanna come home. How many people are just looking to come home to the feet of Jesus? And by singing these songs of worship, a song, spontaneous praise that we just lift up Imagine what God could do through that, of a life of anticipation and surrender to the Lord. And when we come into these corporate settings, his His glory is just released in the room because everybody's ready, everybody's expected. So this morning, we're we're gonna spend some time in worship. Why don't you stand with me? Like I said, I I believe that God is calling out these pure worshipers that are getting back to the heart of worship, to the feet of Jesus, that are willing to give a cost to be in his presence. Willing to give a cost to offer up their bodies and their lives as a living sacrifice before the Lord. So we get our houses ready, our children ready, our families ready, to position and posture ourselves so that when he visits, when he comes to reveal his glory, we're ready to see it. We're ready to receive it. How many of you in this room are ready for a new day? You're ready for a new song to arise. If that's you this morning, I want you to come to the front and I want you to just begin to posture yourself before the Lord. Come join me up front. All this space is open. If you wanna just begin to posture yourself in the room, and just receive his worship. If you need to get on your knees, if you need to stand, if you need to sit at your, your seat even, all across the room, I want you to just begin to posture yourself in worship before him. And as the music plays, this is a mar worship, just begin to release. Begin to release in the room. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you'd like to learn more about Destiny Church, how to get connected, or give online, visit destinychurch.me. Have a great week.